0: In space there are games of legend. Giants and behemoths of the past. They have gone dark and cold, their signal faint to us. All players were once forced to play alone. But these games are not forgotten. They remain in our memory. And now we shall go back and make them live once more. This is RetroLave.
1: Welcome to RetroLave, a journey back in time through computer gaming's finest space sims. Each week, we gather together a group of gaming veterans to roll back the years and relive the glory in search of what made these games special. This week's feature takes us back to 1993, Wing Commander Privateer by Origin. Wing Commander Privateer is an adventure space flight simulation game released by Origin Systems in 1993. Privateer and its storyline is not surprisingly part of the Wing Commander series. The software featured a pseudo 3D world in plain Rastafarian graphics at 320 by 200 with a whopping 256 colours. The player takes the role of Grayson Burrows, a privateer who travels through the Gemini sector one of the many sectors in the Wing Commander universe. Unlike Wing Commander, the player is no longer a Navy pilot, but a freelancer who can choose to be a pirate, a merchant, a mercenary, or any of the above in some combination. The player may follow the built-in plot, but is free to adventure on his own, even after the plot has been completed. A little bit of game trivia, Burrow's name was unknown to the general public for many years. During that period, he was known as Brown Hair, by reference to Blue Hair, the Wing Commander 1 and 2 protagonist, later known as Christopher Blair. Basic gameplay consists of flying and fighting with the ship in a star system, jumping from system to system via jump points, landing on bases or planets, interacting with people mainly through talking, and buying or selling equipment or commodities. The Gemini sector, where the game takes place, is divided into quadrants, each containing several star systems, most of them with planets or bases that may be visited. Unlike other games in this series, the gameplay is primarily in the sandbox style of play. Okay, so, folks, who's actually played uh, Privateer before? I know I haven't played it before, so who else in the calls played it?
2: Oh, I used to play it religiously for, I think, six months to almost a year when it originally came out. It was basically the game I was waiting for for absolutely ages, because I used to love Wing Commander. And then this came along, which was supposed to be a cross between Wing Commander and Elite. And it was just completely up my street. Played it for about six months. The extension came out, or expansion, and that was another three months on top of that. But like all these things, it comes a point where you just have to move on to try and find the next big thing.
1: Yeah, the expansion, I was just looking up in the, uh, the wiki, I think it was called Retribution.
2: No, Righteous Fire.
1: Uh, right, righteous Fire, that's yeah. right. came out, what, just a year later, so yes, uh, quite quick on the heels of the original game.
2: Well, it used the same engine, and uh, basically they had a scripting system that worked with it, so it was just a case of scripting up a few new missions to work on it and
1: adding in the art assets. Great stuff. Okay, has anybody else played the original Privateer then?
3: I have played it. I remember certain bits. I remember it had nab points in it. And I remember it shooting and it was a bit like Elite in some respect, but that's about as much as I can remember about the game. Colin, what do you
1: remember of it, mate?
2: In this game, there are some religious fanatics called retros. And they get really offended by uh, an author who you have to escort to one of the planets. And when you actually meet up with this author who's flying a really rubbish ship, up pops the screen, and I swear to God, it looks exactly like Salman Rushdie.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: this was about the time of the satanic
1: verses. It really, it really was quite great.
0: I think there might be a few authors that need uh, flight protection when Elite Dangerous comes out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alan. I was going to
4: say my friend who lived up the road had Privateer. Basically, he played it religiously. I was over there a few times and uh, watched him go through it. I do remember the nav points. I didn't have a computer that was up to spec at the time when it came out, so I didn't get it. And it wasn't available on budget when I did have a computer up to spec, so I kind of ducked it later on and ended up playing Wing Commander 1 and then a few other games. I did get Privateer 2, which was quite odd by comparison, but I'm sure we'll probably talk about that or review that at some point later.
1: Yeah, no worries, mate. Can you remember roughly what sort of PC was required to play this game? Well, the reviews state that a
4: 486... It makes for an amazing graphical experience, which I think was was quite telling at the time. I had, as I recall, I had a two eight six at this point in time. So, <laughs> so most of my friends are playing on four eight six DX twos, I think, and and four eight six DXs. So thirty three megahertz, fifty megahertz processors. You know, kind of around that kind of spec
1: crikey i remember my first p was a i think it was a pentium 3 450 so it must have been a few years after this game came out then
0: this is weird okay well i was a very entrenched amiga user and this was around the time where i was very irate that the pc was becoming more and more successful <laughs> and the more successful yeah. the pc became the more entrenched i got as an amiga user
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay so what we're going to do is we will boot up the game now and we will come back for a debrief
0: hoping that the uh, user interface for the game isn't going to be that shot I just saw because it's all console and no view of space. Guess what? (laughs) Oh no!
1: (laughs) On the launch pad you can see your ship. Nice little animated screen with your ship and you can go from there to the main concourse and it's very similar to the original sort of Wing Commander where you've got sort of static screens um, that you can click on the various sections of the screen to go to the various different Department. So, from the main concourse, you've got options from the mission computer, the bar, ship dealer, and then back to the hangar. So, why don't we go and have a look in the bar? Com- commodity exchange as well.
4: Merchants and oh, Restories Guild. So, okay, what are we buying? Iron?
1: Yeah, buy free iron. Any old iron. Any, any, any old iron.
4: We have to buy a jump
2: drive to go outside of Troy. So, you're kind of just stuck in this one system until you earn enough money to do it.
0: Okay, so wibbly wobbly blue swirly thing alert.
1: That'll be the planet, I think.
5: How do I turn my shields on? Oh, you able to
1: recharge once you've turned them off.
5: This is horrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, no, my
5: how idea. do I know how close he is to being dead? Time. Or don't do I? don't think he can. i just got to keep shooting him until
4: something um, blows up. In, in Wing Commander, it would be... You could see the shields as lines on the oh, targeting oh, screen and you could see the armor would go from green down to red, and then it would disappear. But I don't know what you're getting on your targeting screen. Oh,
5: hurry up and blow up, you twats. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I exactly the same thing. I've been shooting at this guy now for 10 minutes.
5: I got rid of one of them. There's one left, but.
3: Yeah, exactly, my... I'm in the same position.
5: My shields oh. are gone, and I'm probably going to blow up any minute now. Oh, there he goes.
6: Yay! <laughs> <laughs> gone.
1: Okay, and we're back. So we've been playing the game now for the best part of two hours. And we're going to go around and find out what everybody's general opinion of the experience was. I think we'd better start with you, Colin, seeing as you're the one who had the rose-tinted spectacles for this game. Two
2: hours, I want back. <laughs> Honestly, um, I can see when in the 90s it was top of the range, but gameplay has moved on so much more since then. It's practically unplayable. I do know that, you know, once you get more equipment like an Elite, things do get easier, but the first initial hour, hour and a half,
1: oh god, it's painful. What sort of things were making it? Uh, well, making it basically, painful.
2: the weakness of your weapons. Uh, basically, you were firing. Into the ships, the, sh- the enemy ships were coming straight back up again. Your lasers didn't do anything, and you sort of looking at the key card thinking, "Oh, there's supposed to be afterburners, not happening." And then you remember you've got to buy the afterburners, you've got to buy the friend and foe stuff. It's just sort of um, painful.
1: Yeah, I think this is one of the things that we are finding when we're looking back at these games. We're maybe not doing them justice in the fact that we're trying to sort of play them for a couple of hours and try and get a decent window into what the game was actually like. And it turns out for a lot of these games, the scripting or the pacing of the game seems to be a lot, lot slower than that. It seems to take a lot longer to actually get to a part of the game that we all remember being interesting. Chris, what's your thoughts on all of this? How did you enjoy the last two hours?
0: Um, I, I want to say barely. I, I probably had maybe a little bit more fun with it than I did with, well, with X-Wing the other week. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm kind of aware that I would have... If I'd played it at the time, I would have absolutely loved it. I'm sure I would have loved it. But it strikes me that I don't know if this was a time when maybe testing wasn't such a big part of games development before things were released because there were lots of just little things that didn't make the game easy to play so for example I actually took on a mission Uh, actually the first mission I took on I couldn't complete because it was in a system that I didn't have the capability to jump to so you would kind of think that maybe now games wouldn't let you accept missions that you're just incapable of completing I think that's one thing as a user you would now hope The other thing is I then took on a mission which I was able to complete, and I was very confused about when I'd actually finished the mission, and in the end I only discovered that I'd completed the mission successfully, because when I flew back to the planet and landed, and then went into a shop to buy something, I discovered that my credits had gone up by about the amount that I would have got for completing the mission successfully. So I think that's something that really dates the game, and you just say, actually... You know the user feedback experience, telling you what you need to do, telling you that what you've done has actually been successful, has obviously come on huge amounts since this game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, and I suppose the there? other thing
0: that just disappointed me with it um, was in comparison to Wing Commander, which was obviously an earlier game, mm-hmm. the actual viewing area out of the ship, onto the universe that you had, was like a sort of tiny little postage stamp in the middle of the screen with lots of static interface around it, as opposed to Wing Commander, which actually had, from what I remember, quite a small cockpit area and sort of, you know, bars going over your head. You could actually see quite a lot around you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think... You, know, you mentioned it whilst we were playing in some of the early sort of 90s games this was done because they didn't have the capabilities of rendering a full screen but in this game it wasn't just to piss you off but I think it was just that you know you did have other ships that you can get into further down the line which I would hope would expand the uh, the cockpit view. But no, you're absolutely right. It was the tiny, tiny cockpit view that you could see out of, it, and the rest was all sort of made up of instrumentation windows, all static imagery and stuff that really mm. blocked your And view. I know that
0: in modern game um, development, after- you know, one of the things about if you talk to developers about the way games are made now is a huge, almost disproportionate amount of developer time is put into the first 30 minutes, 45 minutes of a game. Because if you don't really sell the idea of a game and make someone love it within the first sort of couple of hours, they won't persist with it. So I think that's one thing that, that has enormously changed about the way we accept these kind of games.
1: Okay, Alan, do you think it's the fact that you know, we were more tolerant back in the day, or do you agree that you know, game pacing has changed and user interface design has um, changed? It's a little
4: bit of both. I think you could look as well at the mission completion. I wonder if actually there's an element in the manual that tells you that. And, of course, that's a, a behavioural habit change, isn't it? We don't tend to bother with the manual so much. We sort of assume that quite a lot of games you know, introduce you to the game in the game, as it were, which, of course, privateer doesn't do that at all. Similarly, the issue of acreage in your viewport in Wing Commander 1, you had the broadsword bomber, and the broadsword bomber handled terribly and actually had a smaller viewing screen than a lot of the, the light fighters, the medium fighters, the heavy fighters, so been put in a rubbish ship with rubbish guns and with you know very little clue at the beginning because the experience of gameplay i guess was to try and get yourself up levels and that kind of chimes with the idea of role playing games or other things where basically the experience wasn't designed for you to start it was designed for you to achieve and of course you know our viewing habits have changed our, our game playing habits have changed you don't want to spend time creating a character or, or starting an experience where you're not actually getting the experience you've paid the money to you know to get in the first place you know what I mean and um, what you actually want is you want the experience straight away you don't want to have to work up to the experience as it were which I think is, is a very valid point
1: well, I must admit, Grant, I think this is the quietest I think I've ever heard you on any podcast. Why is that? Were you loving it so much that you just couldn't chime in and say anything? Actually, no,
6: it's no, it's more basic than that. I had the volume of the game up so high I couldn't hear it. <laughs> 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 I think it's got all the same negatives that Wing Commander had, but none of the positives. But as I got into the dogfights they were just too slow i think the movement of the opponent ship was the same it was very very tedious and when i think about the original elite and how you know if you got into a battle you were going to be there for a very 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 long time and you wouldn't make it very likely because you you know you were chipping away but elite felt better than that one did And as much as I was beginning to enjoy the kind of gameplay that was there when you took on a decent mission, and, yeah, you know, you got back to your your port and you found that you got a lot more credits so you could buy some interesting stuff, and you thought, yeah, maybe I'll go out one more time. And I think possibly that's what that game wins with, is it encourages you, well, that was fairly easy. I think I'll give it another go and see if maybe I can get the jump drive. And I think that's where the hook is in that, when it's more persistent through attrition.
1: Okay, Simon?
3: Yeah. You know, people have been saying you know, that it's a 90s game, and, but it came out the same time as Frontier did. It's exactly the same period. And you look at the graphics capabilities of both games, even now, Frontier does hang quite well in the graphics department. And I think the gameplay, as such, is there's no real story there. You just went into a, com- a mission computer, chose a mission, and flew out. Didn't know really when you completed the mission, and like you say, you got back, you had more credits, and like, that might help you play the game more, but it didn't seem like there was any structure at all to the game, even as a sandbox game, it just didn't feel like, you know, like Elite felt one way that you have to do these certain things in order to build yourself up. Here, it didn't even feel like that was a part of the game. It felt like that was an added extra that was just thrown on top of the game in order to give it some structure that wasn't there, possibly, when they tested it in the first place.
1: Yeah, well, I mean... I think Colin mentioned it during the actual gameplay, that you know, it does have you know, a storyline that you can follow. In order for that story to start kicking in, you need to be able to leave the system. And in order to be able to leave the system, you need to buy a jump drive. And in order to be able to buy a jump drive, you need to do quite a lot of very slow grinding uh, in order to raise enough credits to be able to equip that with your ship. Rory, what's your thoughts? Um, well,
7: my initial thoughts of the game, I have to echo what Chris was saying, really, that within the first two hours, that's a game that I won't go back to and I never would I think but I think the whole landscape of gaming's changed because in 1993 I was 13 year old I had very little money you know I had a paper round and that would have probably taken me a couple of weeks to a month to save up the money to buy the game and so I would have therefore invested a lot more of my time and money into buying it so I'd have a lot more time at home and be far more willing to actually sit down and play it because I'd invested so much. And and back in those days you would have bought a game and it would have alright you'd have bought it in a cardboard box with um a big thick manual that you would have read and read and read, like we did with Frontier and Elite. And I think the kids in the nineties were just having a different gaming experience to what we have nowadays. And games were aimed at kids back in those days, whereas there are a lot of games for adults now. I think to be fair we're being harsh on the game but that's because we're used to such great games now and we have a far different gaming experience. Does that make sense?
1: No, it does. You're absolutely right. And it's something that has come up on the various shows that we've spoken about before. And if you sort of think back to some of the horrendous games you used to get on, say, the Spectrum on cassettes, it would take you 10 minutes or 5 to 10 minutes of actually loading. You know, that's if it works straight off the bat. I know my Spectrum had a dodgy cassette player on it, I had to keep on rewinding it back, playing and trying to pick it up and rewinding it back and playing and picking up where it left off. So, you know, all told, it could take you about 5, 10, 15 minutes to get a game loading. If you've invested that sort of time as a kid, there's no way you're going to switch it off straight away. You're going to try and play that game and get as much out of it as you possibly can. And that went all the way through the 90s. As you were mentioning about the manual, I don't know about everybody else, but there was a certain amount of time I was allowed to spend on my computer when I was growing up between homework and getting fresh air as my parents would say so those times that you couldn't actually be on your computer you were doing the things like you mentioned you were reading the manual trying to immerse yourself into that universe so when it came to actually playing the game you were a lot more forgiving and a lot more prepared to give it the benefit of the doubt than we are being And I saying. think the
0: manual is a big part I mean we we talk about the um stuff going on with Elite and the you know the novel that came with it you know Wing Commander had some great printed fiction that came with it You know, if you think of it from a story point of view, and I kind of think of it from a a writer's point of view, you normally say, if you're writing a story, you have to kind of get in sooner rather than later with your plot. You can't put it off and wait for people to find your story three or four chapters in. You've got to get on with it. And I wonder if part of it was that you came into a game like this having already read the first chapter. But I think it's an important lesson. If we're thinking about what Elite Dangerous is going to do, you know, there's obviously some debate over how story-driven it's going to be. But is there a worry that the game's plot will be further down the line and that people will have to hunt a bit to find it?
1: That's an interesting point, actually. Maybe we'll come on to that when we talk about what elements, we'd, <laughs> what elements we would like them not to put in Elite Dangerous from this game, uh, and maybe the few that we would like them to include. But I mean, let's move on to the the music. Uh, the music was one of those Marmite moments for when we played Wing Commander uh, until people learned they could actually switch it off. It was either a love it or hate it sort of thing. And... While we were playing this game, there was certainly a moment where we were waiting for people to get to the same location. And once you docked at the various either spaceports or uh, bases or planets, uh, there's some lovely sort of background music. And Alan and I had a lovely 15 minutes where actually we were just sat on the landing pad, waiting for people to arrive, uh, listening to some absolutely amazing, I was going to say horrendous, but amazing guitar music, which uh, we just couldn't find a repeat in it. It just seemed to go on and on and on. Colin, what did you make of the music? Is it what you remembered it, or was
6: I it think quite a surprise? it
1: was
2: actually a bit of a surprise about the music. To be honest, it was more dynamic when you actually got into a fight. The music changed, and then when you actually landed, there was different ambient music for every station that you landed at. And I must admit, that guitar was really, really got on my nerves after a while.
1: Okay, and finally, James. Again, as we always say, the youngest member of the uh, of the team. What did you make One of that game? One of the
2: game? key
5: things I picked up on was. What a lot of people have said so far is that it was quite boring quite early on and that the dogfights were really slow and uh, that, that sort of thing. And it seems quite obvious that you need to sort of get missions, to get credits, to buy all this stuff so that the dogfights get quicker. And in that respect, it's almost as if they're actually making you play to make the gameplay fun. That you need to actually play this fairly boring game in order to make it get better. So I think it's it probably would get better as you go, but if it doesn't catch you right from the start, it's probably not going to work very well.
4: Interesting point. Alan? It's interesting to contrast that actually with Freelancer, because obviously with Freelancer, they calibrated the whole experience so that the first quadrant or galaxy or, or area that you were in was an awful lot easier than the second one and then the third one. So... As you went up levels, as you you know, as your ship got better and everything else, you know, the challenge was sort of being met. It was kind of meeting you halfway. But of course, once you completed the story plot and ended up back in the sandbox, you went back to the f- first area and you went, "This is really easy." So, you know, there's kind of different approaches, I guess.
1: OK, well, unfortunately, it does seem that it hasn't been the most positive of experiences around the team, but uh, maybe we should look for some positive points. Uh, Colin, why don't you tell us about the music? Was it what you remembered, or uh, has that also slightly paled? Well, the music itself, um, it did seem to hold up a bit better than I
2: remember. It wasn't as MIDI as I was imagining. And I did like the fact that when you got into a dogfight, the mood of the music changed so that you knew that you were in a dogfight. It was also one of the ways you could work out whether or not you were being attacked by a pirate and not being attacked by a patrol ship. If the pirate music came on, you knew you were under attack. So the patrols were flying the same ship as the pirates. So how the heck were you supposed to know, unless it was for the music, because the music would tell you that you were attacked?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I must admit, I found that exceptionally confusing, because normally with the, even with Wing Commander, you know, if you were being attacked by something, the radar would go red to highlight that it was an enemy. Uh, Didn't seem to happen so much on this one
4: actually where you were saying about the planetary music and we couldn't find a loop in the, the setup I think actually what they were doing is they'd taken three different lines of one backing line one melody line and and one sort of middle line and then actually layered them in different sequences so that you couldn't tell where one finished and one ended and they sort of came about in different combinations so it was a bit sort of minimal music, a bit Philip Glass really which was really quite clever for the fact that they were working on a very small amount of hardware to be able to to put the stuff in. Um, the audio is obviously as an addition. We've got voices, which is a completely yes, different true. experience. Some of the voices are a bit rubbish. In the introduction we had a man with a lisp, which was hilarious. And, you know, and there are obviously you know, a limited amount of voices and I think that you go through them and you probably had a lot of lines repeated and everything else. But you had voices, which I think was a difference, was an improvement.
1: Yeah, I do think, Okay, it might have changed slightly if we'd heard them again and again and again, but I do think just having the voice actors does give you that little extra level of immersion for the game. Grant, what's your thoughts on all of this?
6: The music was actually okay. I thought it wasn't the usual blinky plonky MIDI at all. It was quite good, and seeing as you really didn't have any indication of what was happening around you from your HUD or your on-screen display, everything had a white crosshair over it, everything, even the planets, there was really no way to know what was going on other than the soundtrack. And I think it was kind of a, a welcome feature in the absence of any other feature. The only thing that was a bit strange on the planets is um, the sort of mini locations for your menu system. They just all seem to be the same, which was a, a missed opportunity. I don't know if maybe later on, maybe someone else knows or has played it further than that that would know that they're all the same, or whether or not, you know, the fact that you can go to a shipyard somewhere else and it'll look slightly different, because I think the, certainly in that system, all the shipyards sold the same three ships. Is that because there's only three ships in the game? Do you know?
2: Uh, Colin? Yes, there's only three ships in the game. No, there's four, actually, because there's the one that you're flying. They just cost a heck of a lot of money to get.
1: Okay, sound effects. It's funny, isn't it, because even the sound of the lasers, you know, the pew-pew effect, wasn't as satisfying for some reason as the original Wing Commander game, which, considering this came out a year or so later, you would have thought they would have been a little bit more polished. One thing I did like, which we saw in X-Wing, was the fact that when a ship did a very close flyby to you, there was the sound of them going, which actually was one of the only few ways I found out that I was being attacked because the user interface wasn't particularly flattering. So those sort of little audio cues actually work quite well. Okay, well, leaving the musical score and the sound effects to one side for a second then what did we think of the story now again we all fail here for the simple fact that we only managed to play it for a couple of hours that the pacing of these games seemed to want you to invest a little bit more time than we had this evening to get the sort of full storyline and, and and plot out of the game but how did we think about the presentation of it do we think we understood what was going on from the introduction did we think that there was enough exposition when we're talking to the bar manager and stuff like that okay so to start us off on the storyline topic
0: Chris yeah I think one of the things that made a a very effective return from uh, the original wing commander is the thing about talking to people in the bar I mean obviously tonight was a very small kind of window into privateer but I had quite a nice moment when we first went to the kind of second planet that we tried to get to I had a quick chat with the the barman there and he had this story about a group of pilots who'd been massacred by Kilrathi over at some nav point. And he was kind of saying, oh, you know, better pack up and get out of the system while you can. And it was quite a nice kind of atmosphere and scene building, especially given that the game hadn't really established either of what I see to be the, the kind of two main enemies that we encountered tonight, the Kilrathi and the, the retros. And they hadn't really done anything to introduce those characters. So to sort of hear about them maybe a little bit before you actually meet them, I thought was pretty effective. I mean, Obviously, a lot of the gameplay is quite emergent and couldn't be planned that way. But as a personal experience, I quite enjoyed being led into it that way. Rory, what um, do you think of the story? Well,
7: I thought the intro was very short and... Other than flying through some asteroids and then this mysterious drone thing, then sort of disappeared. So it was more, I think it was more of a teaser than an actual introduction. It kind of gave you an idea of what might be going on, but that was something for you to investigate and discover, I think, wasn't it? Rather than a whole script led thing like the original Wing Commander was. So that's the impression I got from it, which is good, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I must admit, I mean, it wasn't clear because, you know, I did the the preparation for the podcast. I read the Wikipedia entry and stuff on what the plot was actually supposed to entail. And I have to say, you know, even with that in mind, I still didn't really have a clue what was going on in that introduction whatsoever.
2: Yeah, well, the, the main thing that I'd like to make is that when this game came out, in order to complete this game, you were talking about 80 hours of gameplay. And what we have just played right this evening has just basically scratched the surface. And you don't get any plot. You just get the little black ground information you get from the barman. There was none of the special missions. All you got was the mission computers. And there was a whole lot of other parts with the merchant guild and the mercenary guild that we couldn't go into because you had to pay your way into them. The point I'm trying to make is that the game itself was more designed for that long haul and for people to be more patient with it.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, that's one of the failings of the podcast is that you know the limited amount of time we have to sort of invest in each one of these. Simon, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I was
3: just gonna say that the storyline might be a bit slow to start with, but you can see what they're trying to achieve with the game. At the time Frontier was just about to come out and and that really did expand the sandbox universe immensely, but it was trying to give somebody an experience where you could go into a game and just play it as if I am this one pilot in a universe and I can go anywhere I like. I can do anything I want to do. And it must have been, for the person who purchased the game at that time, it must have been a really interesting thing to have done. And I think that's why Colin sees that game like in Roll Tinted Glasses from years ago.
4: And I would think as well that you've had two previous games. So you've established a fan base that fan base has been fed on two games that are quite structured. So immediately you have to go here, you have to go here, you have to do this, you have to do this. But they've learned to love the Wing Commander universe. And then you have the third game where you don't have to necessarily go here, go here, go here, you can fly around. So I guess that you know that's the different experience that some people craved at the time. It's kind of a bit like Elite Light, isn't it really? There's a bit of trade, there's a bit of spaceships, there's a bit of upgrading your weapons, there's a few missions. You know, there's some stuff, it kind of works, but it was never going to really replace or, or compete with Elite and with Frontier that, that obviously came out later in the year.
6: Grant? I was actually just going to bring up a point with the Talon raised there about the, you could go anywhere you want. You had, what, nine NAV points? on that first part, it's almost like this was a, a training session t- for the full game, and having not managed to get to the point where we could jump to anywhere else, it does seem to be a very limited sandbox game.
1: Yeah, certainly to begin with. Yeah, it was quite limiting, but maybe that also acted a little bit as a tutorial, although if it was a tutorial, I don't think that quite as many of us should have died. But, uh, Rory, what's your opinion on the um, list? I was
7: Just similar to what Alan was saying, really, I mean... Elite had been out 10 years prior to this game being out, hadn't it? And um, Wing Commander had been out for th- two or three years. Was Wing Commander 2 previous to this?
1: Yeah, it will have been. I mean, if you think about it, Frontier came around in 93 as well. So, yeah, I'm not sure which one came first in the year, but certainly they came out around about the well, same time. Well, I think Frontier
7: was later in the year, wasn't it? Privateer would look very, very pedestrian afterwards. They must have looked at Frontier, the people that made Privateer, and thought, doesn't our game look rubbish? Because I think Frontier just walks all over it. I think. Okay,
1: when well, I mean, we're talking about the Frontier universe, final point on the gaming session this evening: what stuff did we actually like about this game? What stuff do we think be useful to take over to Elite really Dangerous? And are there any sort of glaringly obvious things that we do not want to see in the new game universe? I think it is a case of the first
2: hour has to be easy to use it's got to have something that will just grab you and smoothly introduce you to the whole universe without the whole reason of of going through tons and tons of documentation beforehand it's going to be that first hour when everybody grabs hold of the game and i hate to say it but the older people are probably going to give it the benefit of the doubt while younger folk might not do that no it's a good
5: point uh, James there's one thing which is quite important for me as a gamer which is the combat side of things and i think they've already said that they wanted combat in elite dangerous to be quite challenging and not just you know you can you can pop out somewhere have a couple of shots at someone and then you know that's it fight's over and i think they've tried to do that in privateer as well because the combat dragged on for quite some time but i think that's something they need to avoid i think they need to have challenging combat which might last maybe a couple of minutes you know it it shouldn't go on for so long that you just get bored i think alan was in a point where it was basically a stalemate he couldn't break through his enemy's shields and the enemy couldn't hit him and i think in elite they need to have some way of making it so that that doesn't happen
1: yeah, no, it's a good point. And certainly when we were listening to Alan trying to figure out how he was gonna get out of that one, I think he was getting quite desperate to the point where he figured if he could take down the front shields far enough he might be able to ram it. Yeah, Simon. my
3: point was on the, the nap point because you have various nap points within the game that you can jump to. And I remember Elite saying they wanted these points of interest within the game. And, to me, that's exactly how it would happen in Elite Dangerous. It would look like that, you jump to these points, and you wouldn't see anything in between, and I can understand now why people didn't want that option. One thing in the game that I wouldn't mind is a missile camera. And if you fired your missile, it showed you a view from your camera on the missile going towards the ship. And that was quite interesting, actually. I thought that might work within the game, because it helped to target where your missiles were going.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, it's something that we've seen in free space as well, which is a really nice little touch and helps with the immersiveness of the battle. Um, Um,
3: What I want to see
7: is an introduction somehow into who you are in the Elite universe, because if I remember rightly from the pledge rewards, you've got various starting positions. I remember back... To frontier the very first page in the manual was a letter from your grandfather's lawyer it was like a will wasn't it saying yeah. congratulations you've been left an eagle go and explore blah 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 and then you run to bernard stock and that sort of introduced your position in the universe but with all these multiple starting points how are frontier developments going to introduce people to their place in the universe and make it interesting
1: that's a good point. We will talk about that actually, either on the conclave or the main show, as to what people would want the tutorial experience of the game to actually be. I was going to say
4: that I probably don't want that to happen. <laughs> Sorry, Rory. Um, <laughs> the key thing with that was that a you know a single player experience lends itself very easily to being able to connect yourself as a character playing through a story driven plot. A multiplayer experience is much more difficult and much more difficult to individualise. And I think if too much attention was paid to trying to create individual story that made you the hero of your own mission or the hero of your own universe then I think you could drown in that really. Things I would like to see, I like the option to have multiple weapons in that you can cycle between your weapon systems. I think that's always been a strength of Wing Commander and cycle between your missile units and cycle between your, your mass drivers and your, your lasers and your other bits and pieces. I think that's probably about it. I mean, the voice audio was nice. And obviously, that was an expansion. That was a digital download pack that appeared later. But I think that would get annoying if that was included in a modern game. I think you click through it fairly quickly. Really hope that they, they do a better flight model for the NPCs, because the NPC ships are pretty terrible in the Wing Commander engine. And you can clearly see that they've not upgraded the flight model for the NPCs across three different games now. Wing Commander 1, Wing Commander 2, Wing Commander 3, all using the same repetitive flight model, which is a bit of a shame.
1: Yeah, okay, well, from my perspective, one of the things I did quite like about the game was the feeling of going somewhere different. So all of the different bases and planets and stuff had a slightly different feel. I'm sure it probably didn't continue, because I'm sure there was only a set number of background animations they got, but they were all very nicely drawn which makes me wonder about what we're going to see when it comes to the Elite Dangerous Universe. Are we going to see procedurally generated interiors of bases and space stations Or are we going to see the similar sort of same layout and we'll just say it's a similar sort of space station, so of course it's going to look exactly the same. It was quite nice. It gave you sort of a feeling of immersion about the fact that you were going into different environments, different sort of locales. So if Fleet Dangerous do that, it would be quite nice to get as much sort of dynamic locations as they can possibly do. Okay, well, the only thing that's left to do is for us to give it our score out of 10. Colin, as this was your favourite game, it seems only fair to come straight to you. Oh, what do uh, you I think
2: I'll have to be a rose-tinted glasses 4. I don't
1: know. 4 out of 10. Jarvis?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with 5, but I reckon if I'd got into the wider thing of exploring some of those other systems I could see on the map, that could have gone to a 6.
4: Okay. Alan? For me, it's a five. I think I played Freelancer a lot, and actually you can see an awful lot of similarity. I think Freelancer probably gave me the experience that Privateer was attempting to give me with better graphics and everything else, so I'm afraid
1: only a five. Mr. Wolcott?
6: Yes, I think for me it's around about a four. There was potential. I think if we didn't quit, I might have gone and played a bit longer, just out of pure stubbornness. And that might have been the key. I think in those days there was so much involved in getting the damn games to run in the first place that you were bloody well going to play it for the rest of the night if it killed you. That's probably how a lot of us got hooked in these games. With all the choices of other games, I think I'd rather go back and play Wing Commander. Okay. Simon?
3: Yeah, I think about four for me too. I could see what they were trying to do with the game, but... Someone pointed out that Frontier came out only a month after this game, and the difference in gameplay between the two lets it down, so just 4 out of 10 for me.
1: Yeah, this one came out in September, and Frontier came out in the October, so yeah, quite a big gap between them for only one month apart. James. I'm
5: probably going to come out as being probably one of the harshest raters here. I found it massively boring, and after the second time I died, I'm sure most of you heard I was on the brink of rage quitting. I didn't enjoy it at all. I can see where they were going with it, and I'm sure if I continued, probably would have got a bit better. But I'm going to be really harsh and rate it a 2.
1: Oof. Low score.
7: Rory? Um, I think I'm going to give it a four. It gets plus one for the added feature of the sandbox in the Wing Commander world. It gets heavy minuses for basically what James has just said, I'm afraid. So, yeah, four.
1: Okay, well, from my point of view, I think it's going to have to be a five. Again, it was the pacing element of it that really let it down for me. I just don't have the time these days to invest trying to get to a stage where the game is actually fun. So, yeah, five out of ten for me. So I think overall, roughly around about a 4 or 5 out of 10 as an average. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed the journey back in time. If you'd like to join the RetroLave team to play and then record, we gather on Monday nights at 8.30pm on Skype. Just add lave.radio to your Skype list and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest updates. Until next time, it's game over. Stock market might be almost as messed up as the one made by John Stabler. Um,
6: no. It's not really a pew pew sound, it's kind of the noise you would get hammering a hamster, oh. <laughs> but nowhere near as satisfying.
0: I was looking at uh, James's Skype profile and trying to work out if he's in One Direction. <laughs> <laughs> If we're getting back into the 1990s headspace, can I have a whistle and a glow stick? Uh,
2: I mean, I really did like the Wing Commander thing, and then this came along, and it was exactly what I was after, sort of Wing Commander crossed with Elite, so... It was was right up my...
1: Colin, before you go any further, mate, Mm -hmm? who invited Darth Vader onto the call? (laughs) Thank you, Simon. (laughs) (laughs)